Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by Alex Camilleri and Jez Marks Kakluna to talk about their neo-realist film, Luzu. The film will premiere in Los Angeles on October 22nd and in New York on October 15th. Uh, you might hear a little bit of noise in the background right now. I'm recording this at the park while I'm playing with my son, so I'm going to get back to doing that. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you both so much for taking the time out of your day to do this. I really appreciate it. Um, I just watched the film last night and I absolutely adore this movie. It's so wonderful. Such a simple little story that absolutely um, is highly specific in a way that I think makes it relatable to people that have never been um, in this very specific industry. I'm wondering, um, where the idea, Alex, came for this specific story. Well, thank you. I'm so glad you said that. You know, it was our goal to tell a small story. And by making it small, it would actually become very universal. And, um, you know, it came from, uh, in one sense, uh, it was a lifetime in the making. Um, because I uh, was born to Maltese parents and grew up in the United States. And... Um, I always had a foot in two different worlds. We would travel back to Malta as often as we could. And uh, I knew that I wanted to tell stories there. And as I became interested in making films, it was so clear to me that I needed to make films in Malta um, and to make the kinds of uh, films that hadn't been made there, uh, these kinds of personal, um, personal cinema uh, stories that are... Um, in which Malta could be itself. Uh, it's often used as a filming location in Hollywood films, um, but rarely have the, the real Maltese people using the Maltese language bet on screen um, and with this kind of um, sensibility, especially. Um, so it came out of, you know, a, a desire for my, for my whole life of trying to see a film like this, which has never existed. And of course then, you know, uh, I became so fascinated by the world of traditional fishing in Malta. It is in one sense, so tied to the identity of the Island and yet little is really known about it. So when I started to do research, I recognized an opportunity to get past a simplistic or nostalgic view of what fishing is in Malta and to update somehow this neorealist uh, tradition of filmmaking with a really contemporary a take on what fishing is really like. And that leads us to all the, you know, fascinating circumstances that the character Jesmark faces from EU regulation to climate change and black market fishing. Yeah. It's, it's this story that absolutely translates to um, as an American with a strictly American point of view, the number of industries that uh, I think that you could draw comparisons to here with, you know, with, mining or with any in number of industries with manufacturing, these kinds of things that have seen similar progressions, um, some of them through that have been directly affected by climate change, other through just industry and normal progression of things. Um, but I think this is an utterly relatable story, but you decided to tell this with non-professional actors, which is a, that's a scary thing to do, I would imagine, but it, doesn't come across in the film that way this you just mark the performance here is is brilliant i i would have i mean you feel 
like you can carry a screen. The moments that you have of these quiet contemplation where you can actually hold on a moment and not say anything is really the power of this film to me. And I'm, I'm wondering, Alex, if you could talk about finding Jess Mark and finding somebody with uh, that experience and you know what that was like to take on Jess Mark, something of this scale with your experience. Yeah, well, I will I'll start by saying that from the beginning, I knew it had to be non-actors in these roles. They had to be the real fishermen. Um, one, in one sense, it's practical. It's easier to teach a fisherman to be an actor than an actor. <laughs> and there's just yeah. no faking what they do. Um, but then in another sense, it's, uh, it's ethical. Um, and what I wanted, and again, I, I wasn't scared by, by the task at hand because I was filled with the courage of the many films that have come before this in which non-actors have given amazing heartbreaking performances like in those old Italian films. And to me, those, the, the choices of, of casting in those films have an ethical component in which the, the reality of the, the characters breaks through the screen um, and it elevates it from being an ordinary work of fiction. And I saw that there was an opportunity to do that in Malta. If for no other reason than, um, you know, Jesmark and David were just amazing. Um, they're, they're just both of them from the minute I met them, uh, you know, we're going to be the, the key to unlocking this whole thing. And I got really lucky after months of searching and not really finding who I was looking for. We found Jesmark and David together um, in real life. They're cousins and they help each other uh, sometimes with fishing. So they're always kind of hanging out. And um, that's where we found them, where they keep their boats. And I'll, I'll turn it over to Jesmark about what that first encounter was like. Uh, for me, I mean, it really did unlock the whole film and, and gave me even more courage that I was on the right path. So when Alex met us on the first day, it was not so, how you would say, we weren't really pleased seeing him and the casting director there talking about us. It was quite obvious. So, um, But when they approached us and as we had a small discussion about what they had in mind and we did our audition practically that time in 15, 20 minutes. And from then onwards, we heard absolutely nothing from Alex, which really gave us the idea that everything had stopped there. But two months passed and Alex came back and it was from there that everything started, you can say. So it was the beginning of what we have now, the, the whole project of Lutsu. So, and with it, we managed to deliver a message to show that tradition is being lost, not in just fishing, actually, but in all the sectors which are really tied to any particular place, not just Malta. So. And could you talk a little bit about the responsibility that um, did, that you must have felt with you're in almost every frame of this movie. So this whole thing, if you don't work, this movie doesn't work. If this, if your performance um, doesn't feel genuine, um, it just doesn't, that had to be a, 
did that feel like pressure to you or did this feel like something that was compared to what your day job was? This is kind of a, an easier, an easier day for you. Well, it is an easier day because there isn't the hard work done in fishing, even though we were fishing at some point, it wasn't the real fishing that we would do on a day-to-day basis. So it was, let's say easier. It wasn't easy, you know, it's something new. You're meeting new people. I've never done it. But Alex always kept a calm environment, which helped. And we really had the liberty to do the script in our own words, which made it quite easier. Uh, On set, usually we were with our usual friends, which were other fishermen. So we had the family type of crew, cast. So it made it a bit easier, you know. The responsibility was there. I, I knew what my role was. So if I do something wrong, we have to like adapt to whatever comes up, you know. But Alex really helped, let's say, because the way he tackled me and David uh, was like, we are a family, we can do it. Forget what you see, what you hear, just do it. And we can uh, see what's good and what's wrong and we can fix on whatever, take your time, which really helped, you know, really took off a lot of the, the stress which the role came with, you know? Sure. And Alex, what's that like to direct um, actors who don't have the normal bag of tricks that they can lean into when you're trying to get a specific emotion or guide through a scene and they don't have the sort of the muscle memory to go through of having done this before? It was my biggest advantage that they didn't have bags of tricks. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why the film I think feels the way that it does and authentic because um, we get so used to cliches that we don't even perceive them as cliches anymore. And um, for these kinds of films to work, I think you need to go beyond performing and you just need being. And I honestly, I think that the the very best actors on the planet, you know, the ones who have golden statues somewhere, um, those people have to work really hard and they get to a point where what they're trying to give us is this being the simplicity um, and, the, and the best directors are trying to get that out of the, the performance as well. So um, Jesmark and, um, and David, the other fishermen, um, in fact, really improved everyone else's performance because they weren't relying on the kinds of cliches of acting that, you know, we, we somehow just accept and get used to. And together we were all striving towards an authenticity of emotion. And truthfully, you know, Together, we have to trace that back to the script level. And if the script isn't right, I think that's the first place that'll lead you down a path where you're going to feel some fakery. And I had the tremendous fortune to be working with the real people. And so we were able to kind of beat out the bullshit from the script before we started doing anything. Um, More so than the technical detail of the script, I was looking for the emotional truth. And that's when I looked to Jesmark and David to really guide me on how does this feel? What is it like to catch the right fish at the wrong time? 
Um, and that emotional truth, I, I think, is the, the first thing that tees you up for success. If you're on track there, um, the, the performances follow. And then at that point, it's just staying simple, getting out of the way. For me, it's just give them a little bit of context where to become from before the scene and um, just keeping it keeping it airborne, you know, keep keeping it alive on the day and responding to what they might come up with. And I'm really happy to say that we are loose improvisational way of working. We worked most often without the script that also added, um, you know, a, a good way to, to keep it alive and keep it authentic. And it, it comes through um, when I don't understand this world. I don't know this world, but it's presented to me in a way where you're not explaining it to me. You're just showing it to me. And in that way, it feels authentic when you show the market and how you're not taking time to slow down and have this exposition scene where you're explaining how the details of this work. And you can just see this is a new guy paying the wrong, not giving enough for what was there. And I don't understand any of that all out of my league, but the emotion rings true. So I, I understand the scene. And I think that that's a brilliant tactic. And I actually, that those there's, I think zero exposition in this film. And because of that, it, it feels incredibly tense. There's, there's moments that the emotional truth of it and the decisions that Jesmark's character has to make, and I don't want to get into the exact details of that, but where it ends, there's a profound beauty. At the same time, there's sadness to it. And there's a question mark, but it feels like the same question marks that we have in our day-to-day lives where we make decisions where there's some sense of loss, but it's actually the right decision or um, it's always questionable. And, and I think I kind of got off track there a little bit, but I, I'm just, I was really floored by this. And I, and I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about that idea of not handholding the audience through it. Well, I think what you said, it was so intelligent. Um, and I, I couldn't really say it better myself. Um, I'm glad you felt that way. Um, I, I like films that, yeah, you want to treat the audience um, as smarter than you. Um, you don't want to, to hold their hand. And I, I just had a confidence that, you know, we could um, take the audience honestly into many successive worlds where there were all these rules, not just about fishing, but then again, then there's the market. How does that work? Okay. Now does, how does the black market work? Okay. And now how do these EU regulations about these boats work? Um, I think the way to do it is just always through character and have this, you know, strong point of view, which we did in this film. And we were really relentless about sticking to that point of view. Um, that's just kind of nuts and bolts kind of stuff. You know, the challenge of course, is when you have someone who's already familiar with the world, like just Mark is a fisherman, there's only so much uh, exposition that would make sense. Like a fisherman doesn't need fishing explained to him. So, um, you know, another aspect, another way to do it is just, just describe things. Um, don't say it, just, just describe with the camera and just let kind of like let the, the images do the talking and kind of pretty soon, I think as the audience, you sort of absorb it and start to understand. And like you were saying, the, if the emotion is correct, you get what you need to know. And I always think it's better to feel first and maybe understand later. And it's okay, I think, to lose the audience for five minutes than to ever let them get ahead of you. So those are just the 
the swirl of philosophies that go into this kind of filmmaking. Um, but it's, it's that I'm, you know, it's great to hear that you didn't think there's any exposition it's there, but it's just how well can we, um, disguise it, you know? Well, you're, you're finding it where there, there is exposition, but it's, you're finding information as Jesmark's character finds that information. So this thing that becomes the catalyst, the deciding factor in his life, um, it's explained in a way that he's really understanding this. He sees the benefits of something and he's coming around to it. Um, I know that we're getting to this point where we only have one question left. And um, I had something very specific in mind that I wanted to ask you about. This has been a lovely interview, so I don't want to blow it by asking this question right now, but I I really, I feel the need to. And so I apologize if this is crass, Um, but (laughs) um, so in the beginning of it, there was, there's the TV show on Netflix right now that is just blowing up um, where it's the squid game. And one complaint that I've been hearing about it consistently is the translation that people that are native Korean speakers, they say that the translations are off and this needs to be readjusted because you're missing a lot of the show um, from that. And I feel like your translation, it just really nailed it for me. So I am wondering um, with a very specific two words in the beginning that nailed the relationship for me because it was emotionally driven. Um, when your wife says that you smell like whale pussy, that was one of the funniest things I've seen in quite some time. And it, I just, I'm wondering if that translation was on point or if that was something you kind of had to find a way around. Jesmark, is it accurate? Well, actually what we don't really use it in Maltese, but, what she said in Maltese is the exactly the translation you have in the subtitles. So that's what she actually said. So the, the translations were quite accurate throughout all the film. And I have to say, uh, if I can, because no one's ever asked about yeah. that. Um, it is it is accurate. And we were looking for something that um, would be crass, like purposely crass. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted that in the beginning of the film so that Again, we just get away from some sort of nostalgic um, characterization. This is a young couple, um, and they're a little bit immature, as we come to understand at the beginning, and you know, maybe not ready to be parents. And like, they would use language like that. So I just wanted to like tell the audience that you know, this is not your grandfather's fishing film. Um, <laughs> we were searching for a combination of something crass, something to do with like, I don't know, something to combine fish with something you know, vulgar. And we went through every combination of fish plus vulgarity. And then when we came around to whale pussy, that sounded correct. And then I realized there must be something objectively correct about it in comedic terms, because there's another famous use of whale pussy in films. And that's Will Ferrell in Anchorman saying, yep, absolutely. San Diego means whale's vagina. And it was only much later I made that connection. I said, well, if Will Ferrell did it, um, it it must be correct comedically. So, well, and and that's the thing with comedy not translating. It's it's often it's those specific word choices and combinations that might not, if the translation isn't right on with that in culturally whatever, it might not go. But yep, that absolutely nailed it. So, uh, even in Maltese, it sounded good. So yeah, yeah, and, and to it sounded me, good. So. <laughs> It felt it to me. It's it instantly solidified that them as a couple where it said, that's me and my wife 10 years ago. That is absolutely us in our early twenties, just getting started with things. So yes, that, that 
perfect word. So <laughs> thank yeah. you very much for taking the time today. I, I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you for guys. asking. Thanks Absolutely. For thank you. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Corey. Yes. Thank you, Chris. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope.